Hey, all you Trek Live crew members, this is Trek Live Dan. Just wanted to say thank you for dropping by the podcast feed. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is recorded live first on our YouTube channel, so definitely um, stop on by to join the discussion. Without further ado, enjoy the show. And we are live for episode 152 of Trek Live, back for 2021 after a few weeks off. How are you doing this morning, Dan? Uh, I'm doing great. I... I am really excited to be back. It was nice. I will admit that it was nice to have a little bit of a break. Um, kind of dive into at least my rewatch. I know Bill's been trucking along through his as well. So um, it was nice to have a break, but I'm, I'm really excited to be back. Yeah, likewise. Uh, the break was definitely nice. Um, it was uh, refreshing. Nice to recharge, sleep in a little bit more on the, on the weekends. Um but uh, eager to get back into it. We have a few weeks worth of topics planned. We have a little schedule yeah. uh, set up for ourselves. And I think we're pretty excited for the variety this month. Uh, I think we can basically say is going to be kind of like a two-parter month. We're going to, a lot of our topics for the month of January, um, the next few weeks are going to revolve around uh, two-part episodes in some way, shape, or form. So, um Stay tuned for that. Um, and uh, today we're going to be talking about Times Arrow as an underappreciated, undervalued, underdiscussed piece of Star Trek. We did one of these uh, on Sanctuary um, from Deep Space Nine uh, probably about a month and a half ago now. This is kind of a, uh, a way we're kind of incorporating our rewatch into into Trek Live, I guess. Uh, if one of us comes across an episode, you're into Deep Space Nine. Um, I'm into TNG and Deep Space Nine at this point. Uh, an episode that we come across that feels kind of meaty, kind of interesting to talk about, interesting to think about, but doesn't feel like it gets discussed very often or maybe yeah. it's just under, you know, kind of under the radar. Uh, we're going to take a moment to uh, or, or slide it into our schedule and make a point to talk about it and see what we think and see what everybody else thinks and try to give it a little bit of a moment in the spotlight. So that's what we're going to do this week with Time's Arrow. Um, yeah, it, I, I really like the this undervalued, under appreciated kind of trek topic that we've been that we've done in the past uh because it it changes my perspective on a few episodes and it also changes my perspective like during my rewatch i'm I'm constantly looking as i come upon episodes that i i remember i don't remember It, it changes my perspective a little bit and i think um that's what at the end of the day we're all looking for so yeah, for sure. It's definitely nice to have, for me at least, uh, speaking for myself, you know, rewatching these episodes for the upteenth time over and over and over again. Uh, to have different things in mind to be looking for and to be thinking about while I'm going through it. And Trek Live is a big part of that. It gives me things to, you know, look for for topic discussions and things to bring to this to, to this project. Um, but uh, the, the other valued idea definitely adds a new wrinkle uh, yeah. to be thinking about uh, we have um cyber honey in the youtube channel we're streaming live on youtube again yeah. we used to be on youtube regularly dust it off um, we're back <laughs> yeah we're back uh, but we also are still on periscope uh yep. what's soon to be i think in a few months uh twitter live or something to that effect so you can find us on either one live on sundays at 10 a.m eastern time moving forward uh at least for the foreseeable future um if if you uh whichever you prefer if you stumble into us on your twitter feed you can you know with a couple clicks get into the live stream that way or if you are a youtube person and uh it's a little more convenient to watch us there um you can certainly do that too uh you'll find us either way so um 
little piece of housekeeping there. Yeah. Uh, Fitzy Cal Herb, uh, Jeff is also um, in the room for Periscope. He's watching us, so uh, he says Times Error is a great to- choice for a topic like this. So yeah, glad to hear. Um, interested to hear what you guys, uh, but anybody who's out there watching uh, live and able to comment what you guys think of Times Arrow. But before we dive into that. Um, let's talk a little bit about our rewatch. You kind of hinted that we're both kind of chugging along uh, since we haven't done this and talked about our rewatches in about a month now. Um, what? Uh, where do you stand? What's the last thing you watched? Uh, what stands out from the last stretch of, of episodes that you've had? Well, Bill mentioned that we're doing a two-parter kind of month here, and it just so happens that I hit on one of the best two-parters in Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you guys remember, I think before the break, I was just starting season three, uh, and now I'm up to episode 12 was the last episode, uh, which 11 and 12 was past tense. So um, definitely uh, an up and down uh, start to the season, I think. Uh, there's some good ones. Um, the House of Quark, Second Skin, uh, Civil Defense. I, I really love that episode. Um, and then past tense, uh, I think, are kind of the big ones. Uh, there's some not so good ones, just in my opinion, in there. But um, yeah, past tense. Uh, just I forget how great it is. It's just to try greatness. Yeah. Past tense certainly timely and timeless, and topical and important, and uh, you know, it feels like New Space Nine really firing on all cylinders. I think Avery Brooks is as good as he's ever been. In oh, that. yeah. Uh, he's really, really strong. Um, just a classic Star Trek app, but, you know, story, uh, yeah. social commentary. It's got it's got it all, for sure. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a major highlight um, for me, one of my favorite Deep Space Nine episodes um, that I think is age like fine wine. Uh, but you, you mentioned it, and I'm... I, I, it's always occurred to me that right before that, there's like a little bracket of episodes with uh, that are kind of notoriously. Tough, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure they have their fans. I'm sure there are folks out there who, who yeah. are fond of Meridian and Fascination, uh, but they're they're both pretty common staples in um, like bottom bottom lists of Deep Space Nine episodes. They tend to be. Um, I'm actually among not, the episodes. I'm not too hot on Defiant either. Really uh, interesting. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that just that just kind of kind of run of episodes there you mentioned. Yeah, it was, it was tough. Defiant. I feel like <clears throat> my favorite things in Defiant are not Thomas Riker and Kira on the actual Defiant. I like the Cisco Ducat stuff. I love. There's a little monologue that I've, I think I've mentioned before on on Trek Live in maybe conversations about Ducat or maybe Deep Space Nine more broadly. There's that there's that scene when they have like a quiet moment they're kind of just sitting around waiting in that Cardassian command center and uh, Ducat mentions that he's missing his child's birthday right yeah yeah and uh, Cisco tries to comfort him and say something along the lines of you know they'll they'll you know, remember, you know, when they think back to this, when they're older, they'll, they'll know that you were doing something really important and yeah. kind of noble and doing your best and doing your job. Yeah. And Ducat's like, no, what they're going to remember is that the, the, the Federation pulled me away from you, from the child, and, yeah. and they're going to hate you because of it. Yeah. And there's like a, a coldness and a chilliness and a, and a, 
valid and real uh, uh just that, that that always stuck with me that that exchange like the cisco thinks he's being comforting and thinks he's saying the right thing and he is but yeah uh, ducat's not just taking it like ducat has a different context um, in mind yeah yeah but uh yeah that's uh it's, it's nice to hear you're about halfway through at this point, like coming up on halfway point of uh, season three. Um, I, for me, I'm into well into the, the overlapping point of my rewatch. I'm in season two of Deep Space Nine, season seven of TNG, yeah. uh, where it's I'm, I'm in a stretch for a little while now, pretty much this entire season, give or take a couple little blips of like two episodes in a row from one show. It's pretty much an alternating situation where it's TNG, DS9, TNG, DS9, uh, back and forth. Um, yeah. and it's 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 interesting to watch it that way and have a little bit of a different um, mm-hmm. approach than to, to just power through one single show um, which uh, gives some variety and it's interesting to kind of pay attention to which show is doing what at the same time yeah um, sort of which show won the week if you kind of look at which which two episodes aired the same week in 1994 or whatever yeah <laughs> Um, who won the week <laughs> yeah exactly yeah uh, that's 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 been fun to kind of follow and pay attention to as I go um, yeah we have John Jones in the room also in YouTube yeah uh, mentioning likes defiant he'll also stand up for fascination see I said it I told you they're fans of everything to <laughs> yeah. their own John yeah absolutely yeah. Um, I like defiant I'll definitely stand up for defiant I don't think I would stand up for fascination um, yeah and then Sovereign, he's talking about Time Zero and anticipation, watching Time Zero in anticipation of the show, Jack London Element, also uh, yeah. Mark Alimo's yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff in Time Zero yeah. that we will get to in just a second. <laughs> but uh, uh, the, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying my rewatch. I'm at uh, Invasive Procedures on Deep Space Nine and I'm in Gambit. I'm in between Gambit's Part 1 and 2 and TNG. So I'm early on. Oh, uh, okay. Very early part of the season yeah. uh, for both shows. So, talking uh, along. Uh, this is a. This has been a busy weekend with uh, playoff football. That's kind of pulled me away from uh, a lot of Star Trek. These are like full packed days of uh, stuff on live TV that I feel like I want to watch. So uh, I'm sure next weekend I'll be I'll be back in back on the saddle with yeah. uh, powering through. Yep. But uh, I think we should transition right to jump right um, into it. Yeah, let's let's go into Time Zero and uh, see what we think. Um, uh, th- th- just to kind of give some context on why I, I feel like this merits discussion as like an undervalued or an underdiscussed uh, piece of Star Trek. I've kind of long felt that you know the, the two parters in the next generation are kind of almost divided into halves. You have you know, obviously the best of both worlds and redemption and unification and chain it's of like command, classic. which feel like yeah. that really get a lot of a lot of discussion. They feel big and important and. Um, maybe they impact the the overall you know tapestry of Trek a little bit more Chain of Command does a lot of the teeing up for Deep Space Nine setting up Cardassians even more as you know really um, formidable adversaries and um, I think it does a lot of the heavy lifting there and obviously the stuff with torture and putting Picard really in a, a vulnerable position I think sets that up redemption with all the Klingon mythology communications obviously Spock and the Borg and best of both worlds so you have those four over here that I feel like 
are not undervalued or not under discussed. And then you have the other ones that I feel like fly a little bit more under the radar with like Times Arrow, Gambit, which I'm in the middle of watching now. Yeah. Um, uh, Descent. Uh, and uh, there's another one that I'm missing. But either way, um, th- th- there are a few that I feel like are a little less discussed. And I feel like the one that I, I hear the least about is Times Arrow, uh, which is a cliffhanger. It's season five finale, season six premiere. Um, there's time travel, there's Guinan backstory with the card, there's yeah. data, morality, mortality uh, discussions to be had. Time travel, um, obviously. Yeah, Hit like us. time travel, um, like paradox stuff, what caused what, and uh, Mark Twain's in it, and Mark Twain walking around the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's some really, there's some really, uh, you know, big swings of the bat with like ambitious stuff. Uh, big production design, costume design stuff. You know, like really, you know, try. They, they had they're in the 1890s. Um, yeah, I think I think it's 1890s. But yeah, it's it's 19th century. You know, San Francisco um, for a big chunk of this episode. So I'm just a oh, birthright is another one. That's the other one that I'm yeah. uh, Cyber Honey mentioned and John Jones. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, Times Arrow feels like the one that I, I'm, I'm, the mo- I'm the most interested in kind of talking about and getting a sense of what people think. Um, and I'm curious, what, Dan, I, I don't think I've asked you, like, what, I, what, what, what are your sorry. general thoughts? Uh, yeah. I, I really like this episode. I, I, I think it gets um, overshadowed a little bit because the uh, TNG does have uh, such a, just a wide range of, of two-parter episodes. And um I don't know what it is, but I forget about it, um, which I shouldn't because I do like this episode. It, it does big things. It does swing for the fences. I um, uh, I like that we um, kind of focus on it's data with a really mystery uh, type yeah. of episode, but um, it's got some good sci-fi things in it too. It's just obviously with going back in time. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing... Uh, for me, it just it just feels really big, uh, in really kind of every sense of this episode, right? The story is is really big and ambitious sci-fi concept going back in time, obviously. Um, but you know the sets, it it feels like they spent money, you know, you know building new sets, um, the costume design on this, and and, and other aspects of the um, production design, uh, Brent Spiner's head. I mean, it's just uh, <laughs> all around good time, I think. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. I think it's um, it actually when I watch it, I find it reminding me a lot of TOS. Uh, I, I, there's something about like the ambitiousness and the sort of caution to the throwing caution to the wind. So yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna do Mark Twain. We're gonna go <laughs> yeah. back in time. We're gonna be walking around yeah. the streets of San Francisco. Uh, there, there's a there, there's a definite. Um, Putting the shoulder into the the, the the sci-fi craziness, the silliness, the yeah, going fully, you know, going just going full bore into going it, for uh, it. This yeah. of 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 the the the, uh, the approach that reminds me of the original series. Uh, Mark Twain walking around the Enterprise reminds me of the that, that's something the original series would have done. Yeah, uh, if, if the right story would have come along and like they wouldn't have been afraid to do that. Uh, I feel like the other shows beyond this later on in the run. Uh, might not have been so uh, might, might not have been so brave to, to make a choice like that um, <laughs> yeah. and I'm, I'm I, I enjoy it I think it's fun um, and like you said it's it, there's a lot to chew on I think you can you can kind of you know, break it down into um, a couple of different categories you have 
you know, data being confronted with this idea that th- th- there is an end, that, he, that, that there's something that's going to happen that's going to cause his death, um, which I think is even more poignant now with the context of Picard and with the choice that he makes with Picard at the very, very end of yeah. season one of that show. Um, that there's even a scene that I think I, I tweeted out a clip of and that I think was making the rounds when Picard aired, uh, the, the end of Picard aired with uh, Jordy and Data and 10 Forward talking about that. Like, thought Data almost being comforted by the idea that, um, that, 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 there, that there might be an end and that he won't just consistently forever outlive all of the people that he comes into contact with. That there is, he, he takes comfort in the fact that. So people might outlive him and remember him and it's it's not just going to be a yeah. endless existence of you know having friends to replace um I, I found that really touching and uh kind of full circle uh given where they went with it ultimately you know, a couple decades later with the card yeah um and beyond that you have the crew kind of reacting to the discomfort of this there are other examples of, of, of similar things in the next generation I'm thinking of like Times Squared where they get into this situation where they kind of cause and effect they do the same thing they kind of know they get into these timey-wimey situations and they're trying to like second guess each other second guess themselves into like well if we go here maybe we can avoid it or maybe yeah. if we choose to do this instead of that we can we can prevent whatever it is we think is coming from happening so yeah. There's like a resistance to sending data on the away mission to this planet that they're investigating because they're afraid that maybe this is what's going to set the series of events into motion that's going to leave its head in the in, in San Francisco and San Francisco. 18. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and there's interesting things for the crew to play as they're reacting to this piece of information and emotionally processing that data might die. Um, and, uh, and I guess that's that's real. I feel like if, if we were confronted, if we were working with like one of our coworkers or one of our friends, there was something that came forward that made us think this person's going to die like potentially soon, or there's something that's going to happen at some yeah. point in the, in the future that's going to that like, it, it, that's that's something uncomfortable and um, that would that would that would take a toll on the people around uh, that person. Uh, I think they they play that nicely and there's some good scenes early in part one yeah with that but but that's that's star trek though that that small little morality play where we i know we talked about at the top of the show where we talked about you know the the big sci-fi concept and all these production element things but to its core i think this episode is star trek because of that um kind of morality play of 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 um you know maybe just in the writer's room like this okay maybe we do an episode about uh data know facing the fact that he's gonna there's gonna be a, an end date so it's I, I think it's a great little and it's not too big it's not too small i think it's the right amount of um kind of morality kind of aspect to this episode that really um it, at the end of the day makes the star trek yeah i, I agree i think the discussions on mor- mortality and death and uh, you know uh, connections with people friendship that, that are all really tied into this, especially in part one. Like I said, when they're kind of unraveling the mystery, part one is much more 
I mean, he gets to the he, he travels in time in part one about the halfway point, yeah. maybe a little further than that. But a big chunk of the first part of part one is is just processing the information and the news and uh, the the crew and data himself reacting to uh, what they expect might happen. And I, that's that's probably my favorite stuff in the episode because, it, like you said, it's to me it's the most Star Trek to its core uh, of it all. Um, mm-hmm. But there are other things too, for sure, in, in, in my opinion, that that work pretty well and are fun. Um, a lot of discussion in the chat about uh, all kinds of things in the episode with yeah. Cyber Honey and John Jones. Uh, it starts out interesting. You wonder why they what they was doing in the 19th century. And yeah, the, the the mystery element of it that you mentioned, Dan, I think, it, it, especially early on, before it totally makes sense about yeah. what's all going on, I think works uh, pretty well. Um, and then John Jones, there's some discussion on the Guinan backstory, which I think is the other big yeah. part of this uh, that I I really like. I love giving Whoopi Goldberg more to do. Uh, I think she she kills it in like yesterday's Enterprise, where she has some heavy lifting in that. And then I think aside from yesterday's Enterprise, this is her busiest story for sure yes um she's the the big reveal at the end of part one is that she is also on earth in the 19th century observing humanity uh you know the elorians her species is very long lived and they're they're mysterious and they travel the galaxy and they're listeners they study they they gather you know they they Information. They just they they're curious people, um, and they like to mingle with. Um, at least Guinan does. Um, so she's on Earth in San Francisco around the same time, uh-huh. and the paradox of it is all kind of revealed to be. This is the point where Guinan meets Picard ultimately, uh, and that there's a there's a paradox element of this. There's a scene with Guinan and Picard, with Guinan basically pleading with Picard, "You have to go on this mission down to the planet so that you basically." find yourself in a position so that we meet like there's a there's a connective thing that has to happen yeah uh, which is really curious um and you know this is where i have some mixed feelings i think (laughs) there's been so much build-up like there the 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 chat kind of mentions um that i think um this it's more than friendship it's it's more than love like there's this there's dialogue throughout the show yeah that implies the deep 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 connection between picard and guinan um and i think this episode implies that this is where that all begins and i don't know that it fully delivers on that promise like i think it, it, like we we get yeah picard meets guinan yeah. back in time and guinan meets picard and that that's the way it's all supposed to kind of kick off and start this friendship um and i totally accept on face value that there are many many things that happened in the 24th century before we see guinan for the first time in season two behind the bar like picard has known guinan for a long time before then in just the 24th century so there are other things that have happened could have happened um yeah yeah that are that are informing that kind of dialogue about how deep their connection is um and how intimate without being you know, a romance. It's not a romantic connection, but it's a yeah. really deep, intimate friendship. Um, but I don't know that this is a totally satisfying. Um, I guess what they were trying to do, what I'm trying to say, is that they tried to walk a fine line between giving us a little bit of a backstory, a little bit of a way to inform us on how they met 
what what started this whole thing, but still preserving some of the mystery, mystery of what is this thing? What, <laughs> what, what is their connection? And yeah. I, I I get that desire to preserve the mystery, but I also feel like if you're going to do it, just do it. Or if you're not going to do it, just leave it alone. Don't don't go down that road. Yeah. Leave it a mystery. Don't because I, I find this is like a sort of half baked. Um, less successful element uh, as much yeah. as I'd love to see Guinan more active and you know doing more I, I do appreciate that element of the story for sure but when you think of the Guinan stuff here yeah. what you can recall you have to, what, do you, what do you think the, like the ends don't justify the means that they get there so I don't I get it kind of feels kind of similar to like you said at yesterday's Enterprise where she does go and tell him to do this well I mean okay you know we do that again um it just doesn't uh i think they wanted their cake and want to eat it too yeah. like they they, yeah. they they wanted both i i really think they just really needed to, to pick one because i think the character would have been stronger if they did that like i get i really like the mystery um tng is known for um uh, doing that slow burn kind of thing with the mystery, uh, with a bunch of different characters, but um, you know, you know, pick a lane. Uh, I, I really think, at least for me, uh, I was fascinated with um, being able to learn, you know, their their kind of connection, and then also more about Guinan as well. So I think they had a, a really good opportunity, but um, yeah, I, that's that's one thing that that kind of falls short for this episode for me uh like you were saying i really think the guinan stuff uh they gotta pick um you know something yeah i, I definitely think they tried to walk the fine line a little too finely uh i think I, one of my favorite things about that connection is honestly the mystery of it i like to not know i think that's one of those things that the more you present the more you try to inform and like label this is how it happened the less interesting it'll become i think each person in their head will come up with things that are interesting to them to kind of fill that gap yeah. what what caused that connection to be so deep and this tries to like play in that area a little bit and to give a little bit of context to it and to at least fill some of that but because of the paradoxness of it and that it's it's sort of an intro for Guinan but not an intro for Picard because we talked about a lot of time travel stuff I feel, I feel like a few weeks ago before we went on hiatus about the sort of ups and downs of using time travel too much and one of the one of the headaches of it is that you get a headache yeah. <laughs> about like like Picard doesn't remember this because it hasn't happened yet for Picard but Guinan does and Guinan is unique because like in yesterday's Enterprise and another example, she's very perceptive to like changes in the timeline and she's 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 the one that can kind of put her fingerprint on this isn't quite right. And yeah. Uh, you know, so she's she, there's all kinds of ways that she can be like sort of um, informed about this is what's supposed to happen and these are the things that have to happen to get us here uh but there's it's just a you know i'm sure there are people out there who who like to think about these things and it's 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 fun kind of like i was just saying about like i like to fill some gaps in my head about the backstory of the characters and uh the have my own personal sort of headcanon stuff that i can fill gaps with and, yeah um i enjoy that but i don't i i get hung up on and i find myself just kind of like okay whatever with time travel paradoxy yeah. stuff like that's you can you can think about that stuff forever and get nowhere um <laughs> and it's not as satisfying yeah. for me um and this episode does lean into that with the guy named picard yeah 
uh, stuff a lot, I think. But even Picard, the way his character is set up and the way he interacts with other characters, his character is so kind of detached from the crew and things like that. So I, I, I get why that, you know, it's... I don't know. I get why they that maybe we should have... I can't even say that. I can't... You know, I get why... Um, you know, some of the mystery stuff works uh, it's because that's just the way that the, the, the character is kind of set up is very detached. So, yeah, um, I don't know. John Jones puts it perfectly. I think to put, it, to put a button on it, if you if you give the audience room to think about what this means, don't answer it unless you can hit a home run. Like with those kinds of things where the, the mystery yeah. preserving the mystery might be the most satisfying way to go. If you're going to answer the mystery, you got to you better have something really good that's going to be kind of um, unimpeachable. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's got to be something that, you know, uh, the, the vast majority of, of folks are probably going to be able to get behind um, on average for it to, to really succeed. And um you know, I, I can live with it. I don't find it damaging. I don't think it hurts anything because, like I said, it's it's sort of walking the fine line. It's 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 some piece of the backstory, but it's not complete. There are still elements of mystery preserved. So I feel like it damages the the relationship between those two characters. It doesn't damage their history. It doesn't make it less interesting. It just it, it feels like a promise that's not totally fulfilled. You know, they, yeah. they they lead you to believe a little bit. I think in part one when Guinan sends him down that something profound is going to happen and there is I mean she they sit in that cave together while Picard is kind of at the end of part two conceivably stuck back in time um, with her and without really a, a way out there's a there's a connection that takes place there with a wounded Guinan and Picard kind of comforting her and uh, you know prepared to stay there with her um, so there, there, there's some stuff there that you know, I think works, but it's not, um, yeah, it's not totally capitalized on, I think. Um, yeah, but again, I think Whoopi Goldberg's great. I think she's really strong as guy in, in, yeah. in all, on all fronts and in, in, with the stuff in 10 forward with Picard and the 24th century version of Guinan, as well as the, the, the 19th century back in time, uh, kind of playfully, um, trying to, um, in, in that first meeting with Data, I'd be like, "Well, what are you talking about? Of course, I'm here. I'm from yeah." Um, that's that's good stuff. Um, do you good? Do you think the stronger half is the first half then? And yeah, is is yeah. the is it just teed up too much in the first half and doesn't? fulfill in the end is what you're saying I think part one uh, is I would I would prefer part one uh, because I think there's more meat on the bone as far as like the traditional TNG uh, deeper morality play kinds of things with Data's fate and yeah, the crew reacting as a family would. Uh, that is the stuff that I enjoy the most. But I think in part two, some of the the stuff I was talking about with it, it kind of harkens back to TOS and the yeah. sort of balls to the wall. <laughs> like we're just going for it. We're gonna we're gonna the, the the ensemble cast kind of all that. That's not TOS. I think the the full crew being together, but the sort of the things that they have to do on this mission. Yeah, uh, back in time in costume and going cognito. Um, that the, the, there are elements in that second part that really 
make me think of the the things that TOS makes me feel that a lot of the later shows don't always succeed at hitting the same like sweet yeah. spot. TOS, there are sweet spots in TOS in terms of choices that they make, the the, the tone of the show that I don't think is 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 replicated often in later series. Yeah, and um, I I I enjoy that a lot in part two as well. But I would lean more toward part one if I had to choose between the two. Okay. What about you? Do you have a... Yeah, I'd probably say the same thing. Uh, and I'm trying to uh, formulate a question for you, but uh, is there something that you would have done differently, like to fix this, to make it, uh, like you said, there, the, these two TNG two-parters uh, kind of have two groups a little bit. Um, you know, the upper echelon and then... And then that that just aren't, and that doesn't mean they're not good. Obviously, we're talking about Times Arrow here, but um, yeah, is there something that you would have done differently? Um, not done at all. Well, I think John Jones makes a point um, earlier in the chat talking about the um, the aliens, the, the 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 sort of adversary of, of this that yeah. are kind of there to kind of just move the plot forward and to create the situation. They're they are yeah as we were talking about in course heading in the last several weeks, kind of going back and forth on the ups and downs of the Emerald Chain and are they one-dimensional and mustache twirling or yeah. are they complicated and interesting, depending on which episode you're watching uh, and where you are in the story. Uh, these, to me, fall into the category of a little one-dimensional and uninteresting. And like they're, they're, There's some cool visual stuff going on there with their scepters and the energy kind of you know being sucked out of people. Like there's a, yeah. And I, I, I do like the idea that I like the the the, um, the conceit that you know if an alien species wanted to prey on a society by like sucking the energy out of people and slowly killing people or just you know using people to that extent, you know the place to go might be like pandemic stricken, you know. The, in society, basically, the 19th century, where there's cholera and there's all these things that are killing people left and right. That's that's a place where you can probably get away with picking this person off here, picking that person off there, sucking the energy out of this person, yeah. and leaving them dead laying in the street. Like there are people dead laying in the street all the time in 1890 San Francisco because of all the medical crises of the time. Yeah. I like that. I like the backstory of that and the, uh, the that that sort of. Um, it's like copper carpenter street. It's a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some cool, the, the Carpenter Street uh, kind of choice. Um, that that's where you would go to kind of get away with it. Yeah. Um, but um, they, I wish there was more there. There, and I get this is often the case in in, in Star Trek with 45 minute episodes, and yeah, you know, you can you only have so much but, time to spend. And if you're, yeah. would I rather have the scenes? You know, fleshing out these aliens and why they're doing what they're doing and making them, yeah. You know, do I do I want scenes like Admiral Vance and Osira negotiating <laughs> and there is a tide yeah. to kind of make it more interesting, or do I want Data and Jordy sitting in ten forward talking about death and what it means and mortality? I'll take the Data Jordy stuff every time yeah. in TNG and in the context of an episode like this because it's not you know something that we're spending a serialized season. You know, resolving. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a trade-off to be had there, but I think maybe the weakness of the story is probably the um, the arbitrariness of the the adversary who yeah. kind of sets all this into motion. The reason why I bring it up is is uh, this might be a little bit of a tangent, but we do we've done a writers' room episode, and you said, Bill, something that really resonated with with me, and this is not 
true with every episode. Um, every episode is, is meant to be entertaining at the end of the day, and I think this episode is definitely entertaining. But you said um, when you were... Uh, and maybe you were quoting uh, one of the, the many great Star Trek writers. You said, what are we trying to do here? What are we trying to achieve here? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I apply that to this episode. And I think... Uh, you know, when I ask myself, what are they trying to do here? Uh, I think they might be trying to do a little too much, uh, and maybe at the end with a little too little. Um, they're trying to play on this mortality thing. Um, but I also, I think there was some good stuff to be able to, okay, in this episode, what we're trying to do is, uh, explain the, uh, Picard guy and backstory a little bit, but also some mortality stuff and all these things. Um, so... I don't. Yeah, I think that they should have maybe pulled some stuff back and and asked themselves what are they trying to do here. Um, yeah, I, I, this is a definite example of <clears throat> of wide canvas being painted. Like, there's a lot. I think there's a lot being just thrown up yeah. at the uh, at the yeah. canvas, and a lot of it works. Uh, some of it is is a little thinner than than others. Um, uh, but I think it's I think it's undeniably like an ambitious. Uh, swing for the fences. Uh, like I, I, you get the sense that they definitely felt like this is the third uh, two-part finale premiere cliffhanger situation. They're following yeah. up on Festival of Worlds and Redemption. You're dealing with you know the Borg and Picard being assimilated and invasion of Earth and Federation space. Yeah, how do you follow that? Leads being blown <laughs> up, and then in Redemption you have a Klingon civil war and Worf resigning and going to fight in the in, in the in the war, and you have Sela coming and Denise Crosby coming back and the tie-ins to the Yesterday's Enterprise. Like they're following two pretty hefty, you know, rich two-part episodes um, that really add a lot to the continuity. Um, yeah. And 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 lay down heavy gauntlets into the world of TNG and um, Time's Arrow feels like certainly a, a, a little lighter a little more whimsical in its approach yeah. um, but it's 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 leaning into uh, you know production design and like the, that sort of ambition like we're, we're going back in time and creating this whole new world and a very different um setting and putting the characters not, not not in a holodeck that you can just turn off they're actually in the 1890s you know san francisco and you know have to find a way back and it's not yeah. as simple as just somebody fix the holodeck so we can walk out the door uh, there's <laughs> there's some there's a little more stakes i think yeah uh like we get we get the crew and different characters walking around these kinds of settings across the show through the holodeck and things like mm. that but this this is um TNG doesn't do a whole lot with like traditional time travel. This is kind of maybe the one or maybe 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 a, in the very very small handful you get until the weird paradoxy things. Yeah, yeah. Till till first contact. Yeah, yeah, I think you get you get things like cause and effect and time squared and uh, yesterday's enterprise. You get time paradoxy things like what's causing what and time loops and things like very very brief go back forward kinds of stuff, but very little like the, of the kind of stuff that you get in past tense, which you just watch in Deep Space Nine. Or Future's End, or Carpenter Street, or the many, many like seems like half a dozen examples in TOS. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, TOS goes, goes there a lot. And that's probably why I think of TOS when I watch this a lot. Yeah. Uh, this is this feels right in the comfort zone of what the original series was was choosing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, Jeff mentioned uh, this is somebody basically talking about twenty. I think latching onto what I said about. Um, Aliens finding a pandemic-stricken period and 
seeing it as like an easy target to go pick people off. And, mm-hmm. uh, like 2020 might fit too, basically. Um, which is true. Um, what what do you think? When I asked on Twitter, uh, you know, what people think of Time Zero, um, the, the responses are, are pretty polarized. I think there's, uh, I know some of the folks in the chat actually are, are less into it and you know, not quite on board with with it as like a totally successful two-parter. And there's there's a, there, there, I saw responses that were fans of it. I saw responses that weren't. Um, but I think one of the one of the most obvious polarizing elements of the of these episodes is. Mark Twain's presence and the way he's portrayed. Like, people love it, people hate it. Um, <laughs> where did you fall? I mean, do you have a strong opinion? Uh, I, 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 I don't mind it. I like it. I, I but I'm, 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 I'm indifferent to maybe stuff like, uh, but because I just, I mean, you gotta, you guys gotta remember that uh, this is the show after TOS. This, this to me feels like a TOS episode. I, I got the whimsical nature of this episode, but I think Bill kind of hit the nail on the head saying that, yeah, this is a really like TOS episode. Like I think, um, uh, Trek Ranks uh, did a <clears throat> show oh, yeah. on on episodes that feel like um, a TOS. This to me is one of those episodes. Um, I, I really don't have uh, an issue. Um, I think, um, you know, we've seen characters like this in TNG, like Moriarty. He wasn't as, um, I don't know, you know how, how to put uh, put Mark Twain. <laughs> uh, but uh, we've, we've seen characters like this on the, the show before, so um, I don't have an issue with it. Yeah, I think I think Mark Twain is always seen as a pretty eccentric uh, personality. I think you know, I, I can't. I'm not a Mark Twain expert. I haven't. I, I can't claim to be a, a scholar on his work or the, the history of the man. I'm vaguely familiar with you know what his written. his his, yeah. his what he's written yeah. and what what his impact has been on American literature for sure. Um, but. And one of one of the things I feel like is a, is a pretty easy takeaway. He's a pretty eccentric guy, and you know that's I think what makes it work to me. Like he he seems like the kind of character who, yeah yeah I can envision in my head. You know yeah maybe in his old age he he tells some crazy story about walking around a ship from the future. Like and people just kind of like ha ha it's Mark Twain going crazy again. You know talking saying some, talking about some crazy story that he came up with. Yeah. Uh, like he's he's a storyteller. Um, so he's not he's not just some business guy or some person that, that's randomly plucked side and brought to the future he's a he's a writer and i like the the idea that you know things that he sees and experiences in this adventure kind of inform some of his writing and his life moving forward um you know i I wish i knew more i wish i was more of an expert on his his life Mm -hmm. and work um but it's never really bothered me i mean his the performance is certainly jerry harden plays him um brent spiner always says that he did a hal holbrook compression he's all character actor who's very eccentric and loud and sort of uh, histrionic in his in his mannerisms and, and things, very specific, and he does he does definitely remind me of Hal Holbrook, uh, but uh, it, it's over the top and it's silly, but I think it works. It's tongue in cheek. I mean, it's I think they know exactly. I feel like Jerry Harden knows exactly what he's playing. He's playing something that's silly and absurd. Mark Twain yeah. traveling in time five hundred years to the future and walking around the corridors of the Starship Enterprise. Like, there's a tongue-in-cheekness in, in the premise. Uh, so he, he plays it tongue-in-cheek. Um, and I, I 
I, I've never had an issue with it, but I, I get the sense just from reading Twitter comments and some responses to the question on the episode that um, that's a hang up for some people. But some people just find it to be too much and a little, little too heavy handed, a little too thick. Um, and I, I can't I can't argue with that. I mean, it, it is heavy. You know, it, it's 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 laid on thick for sure. Yeah. And it, your mileage may vary on that on that level. And he's he's leaned into heavily in this episode. He has a lot to do. Um, he's a, he's a major character here, and in, in especially part two. Um, so, I think I, I get why that's probably a big pivot point for people being thumbs up or thumbs down in the episode. Does that performance resonate with you? Can you go along with it? Do you have fun with it, or do you just find it like cringy nails on a chalkboard, kind of irritating? If, if Depending on which side of that spectrum you're on is probably where you're going to fall on the episode as a whole. Yeah, I, I get why people uh, don't like the performance. I like the uh, we talked about it yesterday. The, the yin and yang. I feel like the performances are often very subdued, very straight laced, very yeah. Starfleet guest stars for sure. Yeah. Uh, for guest stars, uh, this this just is um, just you know out out the door, just kind of very out there. Uh, and I like the change of pace a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think the uh, I like that this is an example of like TNG. TNG can come across very much, and you know I, I'm not being critical. TNG is my favorite show of all time. Like that is the show I want to live in. But TNG is the is a really straight laced, buttoned up, serious show. A lot of the time, yeah. it takes itself seriously. It's 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 not the funniest show. There are funny moments. There are funny interactions with the characters, but it's not a show that you know, unbuttons its collar and like yeah. loosens up very often. And I feel like this is an example where you can kind of see yeah. the, the actors kind of, for lack of a better term, like letting their hair down a little bit and having fun and leaning, putting the shoulder into the the, yeah. the, the silliness and the funness of, of, of the premise. And in part two, like in scenes like when the the, the renter, the, the 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 lady who they're who's flat they're living in basically who shows up to collect the rent and they're pretending like they're you know, a troop of actors and mm-hmm. they have to play a scene like the, the the way the actors kind of play that together and are all kind of capitalizing on each other's presence and working together, I think works really well. Seeing the crew really act as an ensemble and cast be fully together um, <clears throat> in costume and being different and play acting was was a lot of fun. And it's not a common uh thing to see in the next generation. You don't get that quite as often. Yeah. Um, as you might in other shows. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, John Jones, if you can't undersell Mark Twain on Star Trek, if you're going to do it, it's got to be big. Like, just go yeah. for it. Just like, go and that's for what they, they do. do. They don't, they they don't, do. don't yeah. Yeah, like, you, we can we can kind of knock the episode around a little bit, like we were talking about earlier with the guy and stuff, trying to walk a fine line and kind of find a balance with not do too much of this but not do too much of that this is one that I feel like they just said okay we're just gonna like, just do it like just swing for the fences go hard yeah and wherever it falls it's gonna fall and I think that was that was strong yeah um yeah Cyber Honey agrees TNG definitely more serious than say Deep Space Nine yeah I, I would agree with that um yeah it's um it, it's it's an interesting one I think Somebody mentioned like the, the resolution of there, there's you know the the crew and Mark Twain travel back to the Enterprise uh, with maybe 15 20 minutes to go and they have to figure out a way to get the card back and that's where all the Picard guy and the stuff kind of comes from they're in that cave by themselves and they have to basically figure out a way to kind of trade Twain going back for Picard coming forward and at the same time knocking these aliens out so that they can't keep doing what they're doing um, 
And of course they do it, they succeed, and Picard comes back, and there's a nice little scene where he goes to 10 forward and knowingly, like, nods a guy in, and off they go. Um, and it all kind of comes full circle. I think I think it ends in a in a in a in the way it needs to end. And the, the Data's head is still back in time. They they have the, the head that they had on the ship. Like the disconnected head is what they replace on Data's body because Data's head got blown off in the cave before they got sent back in time or before they went back to the future. Uh, so they, they they find this cute way to still have the head, um, like the 24th century head that we've seen in the show all this time, still in that cavern in the 24th century, and the head that's been sitting there for all these years that's still sitting in. Engineering on the Enterprise put back on Data's head, uh, yeah. put back on Data's head body. Um, I think they found a cute way to kind of make it all work and make the paradox like uh, believable, not making it a, head- a headache. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, you're kind of like, okay, it, it all made sense. And yeah, it, it adds up for the most part. Um, so that was that was successful, I think. Um, yeah, so you, you get the you, you get the obligatory scene of an old timey human uh, seeing work for yeah. the first time that always is, yeah, yeah. That's, that's sort of a staple there's quite a few of those examples uh, throughout um, the show the neutral zone first contact you, you get a lot of that yeah, um, yeah. Um, where, do, where do you think this falls in like is, is it definitely it's is it better than any of those it's elite two parters that I talked about do you think uh, I don't think so uh, but that, that's a tough road to go down because of in it's in such good company with such great two parters. Um, yeah, I would have to put it, yeah, you know, middle of the road to maybe upper at least for me like a B. I think if I'm giving if I'm doing the um, Bill style with a with a letter grade, I would say maybe B B minus. Um, maybe that C plus range. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, I don't I know what that, you gave it, but that's that's kind of. I think I, I gave it a B plus. Okay. So maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think I gave it a B plus. Um, but I I can see that. I mean, I think I think this is an episode that clearly is is a little divisive. I put a poll up like I used to put up. I used to put a poll up like this for all the episodes, but I did it for this with uh, give it a grade A, B, C, D, or F. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, last time I looked, it was in the, the votes were somewhere in the sixties, but it was um, you know n- not uniform. I mean, there was definitely some some divergence there with um, yeah. The, the takes uh, 39% A 38% B 20% C and only 3% D or F with 74 votes oh. as of right now so uh, there's a lot of love for it but it's about equal parts like love it love it upper echelon TNG and like it's good with the B um, with a respectable number of middle of the road C yeah. so I think it's it's it, no, no clean consensus no majority there as far as uh, how how completely strong it is, um, and I think that adds up. I think it's definitely a, a, a your mileage may vary kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Cyber Honey and John Jones both said C plus, um, which okay. is certainly fair. Um, yeah. Can't argue with that, Jeff. I know you're in here somewhere um, in the Periscope. I'd love to hear your letter grade for Time Zero, um, so I can read it into the record if you're inclined to share. Yeah. Um, so, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I'm comfortable saying that it's it's probably in the middle of the pack uh, as far as TNG two-parters. I prefer it to some. Uh, I don't want to go into too much detail there because we have a topic planned with uh, with two-parters yeah. and figuring out our preferences <laughs> that we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, but uh, or we'll tease at least. Yeah, I don't know if we'll reveal exactly when and what we're doing. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll 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 be doing a lot of two-parts. Uh, yeah, or so or things that are in two parters, I guess. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeff says B plus, so we have a B plus. I have okay. a B plus. Cool. B B minus. We have a couple C pluses. Yep. From yeah, the YouTube chat. So um, yeah, th- I think that that's pretty demonstrative of I think what you would largely find for, for mm-hmm. two parters. I, I definitely think it's a step below things like Redemption and Chain of Command, and obviously the best of both worlds. But it's. Uh, yeah, uh, Cyber Honey says they need to rework the guy in tie and ply. That's that's I guess our biggest hang up. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll start wrapping it up there. I think we covered the, the the big things. I mean, we could spend we could spend hours talking about time there for sure. Yeah, we can. Uh, there's more detail that you could dive into. The one quick little tidbit that I really do like. I think I like to touch that the way Data finds himself in a more advantageous position when he gets to the 1890s is to find his way to a poker game. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how he gets his resources. And that's, that's cute. Uh, that's, perfect sense. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, like, I like that, that. a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mark Alimo, who plays Ducat later on, yeah. is, is one of the guys he fleeces in that yeah. uh, uh, Puts himself in a position to yeah. not be walking the streets in a Starfleet uniform with no resources. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a good scene. I really like that. Um, and there's a lot of that in this episode. I just feel like there are these little moments sprinkled throughout. Yeah. With Data back in time with Jack London. With Jack London is another American writer. Uh, that's how he meets Jack London. He's a he's a like a, a bellhop working at a hotel uh, that helps Data out a lot. Um, yeah. You know, getting pieces of equipment that he needs to build his little piece, kind of like Spock's doing in the city on the edge of forever, trying to build like a radio thing. Yeah. To, you know, there's a lot of city on the edge of forever touches, I think. Uh, with what they just trying to do, yeah. That uh, I really like. I like all that stuff. That's that's why I think I'm a B plus. I think there are enough uh, between the uh, the mortality questions and the reacting to Data's potential death and his processing of it, and then just little fun tidbits thrown into the mix with mm-hmm. time travel and being back in time. Yeah, uh, that it's. It, I, I always have a fun time with. It. Yeah. It's not totally satisfying. It's not like a, a complete winner for me, but it's a. <laughs> It's, it's 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 a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. I, I prefer it to um, a lot of other stuff. Yeah, even in Star Trek. That being said, if you guys have a, a, a undervalued Trek episode that you guys would like this us to cover or to think about, definitely let us know. I think this is um, going to be—I wouldn't say a monthly thing, but definitely a. Um, uh, to kind of a topic uh, framework that we're going to try to work into to Trek Live every once in a while because it is a really fun time um, talking about uh, undervalued Trek for sure. Yeah, we're, we're both going to be looking for them as we watch this, but I'm, uh, I'll certainly advocate for it if 
you know, you hit us up on social media, you, you, you and your own journey through Star Trek, find an episode that you watch and you go, man, why doesn't anybody ever talk about this one? This is like really, this is really, there's, there's a lot to think about, a lot to, a lot, a lot to dissect. And it's not one that, you know, gets put on top 10 lists all the time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> throw it, throw it our way, you know, share it on Twitter, let us know, tag us. And if it's an episode that makes us go, whoa, yeah, they're right. Uh, because, you know, we're kind of, we're doing this and we're, I'm watching the next generation you're watching deep space nine deep space nine i'm watching a little deep space nine too you know people are watching all kinds of star trek if, if you know you find yourself watching a enterprise episode or a tos episode that makes you feel that way definitely uh throw it our way yeah. uh, i think uh yeah. we're we're very eager and um open to hearing all kinds of suggestions on this front <laughs> yeah uh do you want to tease next week or this month maybe what other two-parter things we do in this month yeah we're, we have all kinds of things planned um i don't know if i want to go too far out I spotlight which is a little different it kind of edges off of this with data we're going to talk about data which is not as specific to two-parters the the, the real two-parter heavy stuff is coming in two and three weeks from now yeah um but if if you if you follow us closely um and you look at our backlog of shows i'm sure you can maybe look for a recurring topic that we really enjoy that might fit yeah. the new two parties. We'll, you'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll reveal it yeah. soon. Yeah. Uh, but ne- next week, we're going to be talking about data kind of as a jumping off point from Times Arrow, which is certainly a big data uh, big data episode. Uh, we've done a few character spotlights in the past where we just kind of dive in and talk about whatever comes to mind for that character. We've done Kess. We've done Seven of Nine way back in the day. We've done Deanna Troy. We've done um... Who else have we done? Pulaski um, and then uh, Dr. Pulaski. Uh, maybe a, f- a few others, but it really trip, makes it yeah, trip. Yeah, it really makes sense to do uh, data here, especially when coming off the heels of Picard. I think it's going to make for a really good conversation. Yeah, Jeff, uh, this is two part of draft, and hey, you know, I can't confirm or deny. You know, <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> that may or may not be coming down the pike. We'll see. Yeah, we'll um, see. Wink, wink. Um, yeah, we have we have fun things planned for uh, the the back half of January for sure. But yeah. uh, data deep dive next week uh, as kind of an extension of the Times Error discussion, which I think is some of data's biggest stuff. Um, and actually, data data extends even beyond the next generation. Now you get a little bit of the card to kind of resolve the character. So uh, all kinds of things to think about and talk about with uh, yeah. data kind of as a whole. And now the data has a more we did it was i guess ended in nemesis prior to this but now we have a kind of a new ending for that character and a new way to think about the entire arc of his character so um looking forward to that and then beyond that we'll have more like really heavy duty two-part um uh, things to wrap up january yeah 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 any other Star Trek content that you would like to? Uh, man, I got a, a lot. There's a uh, there's a good Trek profiles with our good buddy Thad. Uh, yes, dude, that's a that's a really good one. Thad uh, goes into some heavy stuff, some tough stuff, um, but he does a great job talking about it. Um, the second part to uh, Pacific Two Hundred One has been released. Go watch that. That's a that's a cool fan film. A lot of. Um, fans uh did some uh, really good work uh so definitely go check that i gotta support uh, the fan film community there uh i think that's it for me i'll shout out trek ranks 100th episode they're on 101 now but in our during our hiatus uh yeah, trek they, ranks yeah, 100 yeah. episodes uh 
I got I, I was it was a pleasure to record a little snippet of congratulations uh, that I think went up on Weekly Tracks with a, a, a slew of mm-hmm. like frequent guests. Um, we're we're big fans of that show. We always have been. We always pub that up. Um, Jim's a friend of the show. He's been a guest of ours a couple of times, um, and. We definitely just like to congratulate him on hitting that 100 yeah. milestone yeah. and being on the other side of 100. Um, uh, Trek Geeks, I always like to shout out every so often too. I, I love what they do. Uh, they they have uh, kind of a wide variety of topics that they hit. They cover all the shows. They have different recurring things. They do see it skip it for different seasons as well. Um, that, that are really fun. Sort of the model for that uh, approach to looking at a season. Uh, they have a great sub show, kind of like we have with Core Setting, talking about Discovery and mm-hmm. Discovering Trek. It's called. That's a great network with a lot of great content, positive, positive uh, vibes, and you know, positive Star Trek discussions. I would always point people their way too. Yeah. Um, the other Bill and Dan, the, the maybe slightly more famous Bill and Dan. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I think I always think that's funny. There's yeah. Uh, two random sets of Bill and Dan doing yeah. this whole Star Trek thing. That's it's um, cool. Yeah, but tons and tons of good Star Trek stuff out there to fill your day. If including you're um, a Discord including. server uh, yes. that just has it's a great uh, a great group of people, very positive-minded people just talking about Trek. Um, Bill usually um, lights the fire, at least as far as conversation, with uh, dropping his rankings and things like that. Um, we also have a kind of monthly to six-week... Um, we try try to at least uh do uh a trek after dark where we all hang out uh kind of talk mostly um it used to be games and, and watch episodes but now it's uh just just talking um the last couple have been just talking yeah i mean the conversation has been so lively yeah uh so there's been so much to talk about and i think part of that's probably because the last couple of done have been in the midst of a lot of new track first the two the, the last yes. one we did was right before the finale of season three of Discovery. The one before that was like yeah. two episodes in to season three of Discovery. So there was a lot to chew on, a lot of new stuff that was really like yeah. on people's minds. Um, and it was a lot of fun, both of them. But in the past, and I think probably in the future, we'll still have like episode watch parties and mm-hmm. trivia games and yeah. things like that. Um, so we would... Uh, we definitely encourage anybody out there who wants to connect and maybe on an even more personal um, level than, than um, <laughs> yeah, become a Trek Life crew member by joining our Discord server. You can DM me on Twitter at TrekFan4387, and I would be happy to send you an invitation, get you set up. If you need help, if you've never used Discord before, I can fill you in on exactly what it is and how it works and mm-hmm. uh, the do's and don'ts. Um, it's pretty pretty straightforward and pretty easy, and it's it's it can be used to really... Um, connect you with some cool people um and yeah I, I, I take a lot of pride in the fact that our positive it's not a place where you know there's a lot of you know this sucks this stinks this isn't any fun you know not not a not a, a group of people who take pleasure in hate watching things uh which yeah. is you know there's a lot of that out there and you can find that if you want it but ours is much more um positive as a whole i think with not not crapping on things or people and um yeah. yeah, I encourage anybody out there to join if you're looking for a place to talk Star Trek. Yeah. But you guys know the drill. The discussion doesn't have to stop here. Facebook, Twitter, Discord, all those social media avenues. Uh, let us know your undervalued Trek uh, episodes that you think uh, deserve some time talking about discussing. So um, with that being said, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Um, 
we'll see you guys next week. Yep. See everybody. Hey, this is Trek Live Dan again. Like I said before, the discussion does not have to stop here. Come over to our Twitter, Facebook, and our Discord channel to keep the Star Trek discussion alive. See you guys next time.